to the Attack and Release show. Sam is still laughing because I just said something funny, mildly inappropriate. On today's episode, we're going to be doing a little chat on how to turn down work, when to turn down work, and when is something just not the right fit. So, circle and square. Matt. Yeah. (laughs) Why'd you put my name at the end of that? (laughs) Matt. Circle and square, Matt. Uh, It's like I'm not the right fit. It's like a fat pig in a small hole. That's not what I said. (laughs) I know. I I just just put myself in. It's like the Chris Farley thing. Fat guy Guy in a little coat. All right. Sam. Matt. For the sake of time. Things in the housekeeping. For the sake of time. Hello, my friends, listener. Thank that you so much. That does sound like an 80s song. Like there'd be some like, oh, chimes behind hello. it. All right, my friends. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. We are so grateful that you are listening. Uh, you have been doing a great job at helping us share the episodes around the social medias. I am asking you again for your help on screenshotting a episode that you're listening to or even this current one. And then posting it on Instagram would be ideal if you have that. Tag Matt for the record mastering. Tag me. Moses Mastering, we will cross-market share. We've been doing that, and some of y'all have said that actually has gotten you followers and other uh, people probably to work with, I would imagine, if you uh, nurture those relationships, as you should. Um, But anyway, just want to say thank you for sharing and to continue to share. It's great. We love you. The community is growing organically, correctly, slowly, sustainably, wild-caught, Grass-fed. Grass-fed community. Pasture-raised. Pasture-raised housekeeping. No hormones. GMO-free. I wouldn't say this is a hormonal podcast. There are some outbursts (laughs) occasionally, but it's not like hormonal-based. It's probably not hormonal-based, no. I I would assume, no. It'd be more like exuberation, you know, for the art. Zeal. That is mastering. The zeal of mastering. The zeal, the sizzle, the sizzle of mastering. Um, so yeah, that's housekeeping. Love that. All right, did a great job. Great job, me. Okay, a round of applause. Perfect. Thank you. Pat on the back, whatever that's like. I've done that. Great. Okay. You know what's weird when people are like, give yourself a pat on the back. It's like, screw you, guy. Get out of here. <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. I'm not patting myself on the back. It's hard to pat yourself Sam. on the back. <laughs> How do you know when to turn down work? Is it mm. a matter wow. of like the song? Is it a matter of the client? Wow. Mm. Do you fight through a bad client wow. for a fantastic mix that mm. you know is going to be big? Yeah. Take us away. Oh, wow. Wow. A lot coming at you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Wow. All those bullet points. Okay. Are you writing them down? So Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> here we go. 
So how do I, what was question one? How do I turn down work? Is that it? What would make you turn down work? Ah, yes. Like, and then okay, the other is like, like what classifies a product as a bad fit? Yeah. And then would you fight through a bad client relationship for like, like the mix is just like beyond fantastic, but the client relationship is just a pile of mess. Gotcha. Okay, here we go. Quick and short. Turn down for what? Okay. Um, <laughs> that's answer number one. I was about to take a drink of water. Why did I do that? Um, I will, in order for me to know what project to turn down, I must have clarity in what I'm looking for. And that's probably the best thing I can offer is you have to take time as a master engineer or producer or songwriter, whatever you are, and take the time to figure out what type of records you like to work on and who makes those sorts of records and then go find those people or those people over time might find you. But you have to have clarity on what you're looking to do, I think, as a business and what you're looking to accomplish as a person and an engineer. So for me, I will often turn down projects that do not fall into the type of genres I like working on. Um, I will turn down sometimes projects that have next to no budget um, just because I can't make the time work. Uh, I will sometimes turn down projects that... Um, that's really kind of the two things. I could keep rambling about that, but the two main things is I have clarity on what I like to work on, which is usually kind of high energy, top 40 type sounding records. Um, so that's what I look for. If people send me things that are not kind of sounding that way, I will usually send them somewhere else. And honestly, at this stage, I feel like I've done a really good job at bringing clarity to what I like to work on, that people don't really send me those sorts of records anymore. But when you start out, you kind of uh, go for anything because you want to make money. But at the same time, I found when I was doing that for the first few years of taking on any and all projects, regardless of style or who it was coming from or budget, it just kind of created a bunch of confusion of what I personally really like and also my brand as a company, which I do think is important the longer you go. Um, in my opinion, it's important to have you know, a clear brand of what you like to work on and what you offer people. It's easier to market long-term, and it's easier for people to know who to go to for certain projects. So that's kind of how I determine what I am going to turn down now, with saying all that, when you're first starting, sometimes you need to do a bunch of random projects to figure out what you like to gain that clarity. So a bit of pushback on my own advice. But if you're starting out, try a bunch of different things uh, in theory, but also take your own time and think about what it is you want to do, what you want to work on. And within that, also the amount of money you need to make is really important because... Um, that will determine kind of your progression in rates, uh, the amount of projects you need to do, uh, things of that nature. So I'm always kind of evaluating uh, my goals and the direction I want to go and seeing if the projects that are being sent to me 
line up with that. And if they do, then it's a yes. And if it's not, then it's, uh, you know, it's usually not like a no go away. It's usually like, I think there's someone who's a better fit potentially. So that's how I kind of figure out how to turn down projects. Do you want me to just go down the list and then just hand off to you? Um, like you don't have out? to. Or do you want to go back and forth like tennis? <laughs> or like volley. a dialogue? Or do you want a dialogue? Like how conversations work? I don't know like how conversations work. Turn down. <laughs> so what are we doing? Uh, why don't you go next? <laughs> dialogue. And then I, and I hand it back to and you. And then you're going to hand it back to me. Okay, like we're friends. Yeah. How do you turn down products or de- decide what you want to turn down? I think that we need to start off the conversation with like saying like when everyone starts out that they generally start out working on sonically challenging material. Yes. And so like just because something sounds bad, it could also be like, well, you've only been doing this for a year and a half. So it's like still kind of like the trench you're digging. So... Like, I don't want this to sound like that's the hole you're digging. I was like, you're never digging yourself a hole. Um, however, some kind of like interesting segue and little dichotomy, like alternate reality kind of thing. You could also work your, like this conversation, we'll just do like a little speed bump, could be <laughs> also, well, it's like, I don't know how many people around the world have like roundabouts in the street, but it's kind of like you go around the roundabout a few times, you take the wrong exit or something. So this is kind of like a little bit of a wrong exit, but kind of not. It's <laughs> it's like there are some genres that like I just really don't even work on. And it's this isn't even like 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 people know like I don't really do like a lot of hip hop and like I'll I'll pass it to Sam if that's like something that I just don't want to work on. But that's not like why that's not part of this conversation. Um because I would probably never in that genre, I would never be that this I would never be this guy. And this guy means that guy. And so you can, by working on certain genres of music that you're not really passionate about, but if you do a good job at it, then you, this is a conversation more about pigeonholing yourself. And it sounds kind of dirty, I suppose, but essentially that's working yourself into a bit of a corner in regards to you're just now known as the guy who does that genre in like your group of uh, mix engineers and whatnot, and like the money's good and everything. You don't really enjoy what you're doing, but you've kind of pigeonholed yourself because you said yes to like a bunch of this stuff that's in your market and around you, but it's not really stuff that you enjoy doing. Um, that's kind of my interesting little roundabout <laughs> thing. So you could totally find a way to turn that down, but um, it's kind of like my whole thing to make sure that I don't become that guy. And like that's why the whole genre discussion and like mental decision is super important with yourself about what am I willing to work on and what am I not willing to work on? Because if you really don't like country music, but you really make a good country master, or if you're a mix engineer, a good country mix or producer, you're just like really great at like dealing with artists and everything and uh, essentially taking care of any of their needs and just kind of delivering them to where they need to go. And just to create this like fantastic experience, a great it's a great country mix that comes into a great country master, and now you're that guy because everyone's coming to you for that. Um, that's something you definitely want to like define those boundaries of. I enjoy this genre, but um, 
Like I can, I appreciate the genre, but I don't really enjoy working on that type of music. I feel like a lot of people would kind of be in that. I bet you there's a lot of people who are there, but anyway, mm-hmm. that's not really what I, what I want to get hung up on. Um, so like there is that whole thing, but kind of like what I started in saying, like everyone starts out working on sonically challenging music. So just because something's bad doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to like be a no. And you might need to reassess like where you kind of are in some stuff. This is more of a conversation of like, I guess we could get into a little bit of like a bad mix situation, but in general, I mean, even if I get stuff that's like not the best, I still try to, I still have a mental conversation of, is this something like, like we know this is a client approved mix and we know this is kind of like where everyone like wants to go. And so it's like, maybe it's just me that doesn't like this. Maybe it doesn't (laughs) pass like my personal quality standards, but it's like, you know what? At the end of the day, it's still client approved. And it's like, that's just what it is. And so Sam and I had a short conversation about some stuff earlier on today. And it was just kind of like, Hey, am I just, is this just kind of being me? And Sam's like, kind of, and kind of not. And so anyway, it just, just kind of is what it is. Um, but now, and I, and, and that's like the genre thing for me. Like the only genre I really don't work on is like metal, like screamo stuff, like super aggressive. Um, and it's not that I'm not the best fit because I think I do make some pretty good like metal masters. Um, and I also don't work on hip hop stuff, but that's mainly because I just don't think I'm a good fit. I think Sam, however, is a fantastic fit. And so it's like if you can afford Sam's rate and that's kind of your thing, then I highly recommend you go to Sam. Um, but as far as metal, because I work like a regular nine to five and I'm like a boss and like my other company and I've been listening to this like aggressive stuff all day. Music's so powerful that it influences you. And now I'm like freaking aggressive all day and I'm like kind of an asshole and I don't want like this whole stimulus from 6 a.m. until like nine to kind of govern how, what kind of a boss I am. And then from like 4.30 until six when I go home, in my second mastering session of the day, I don't want that session to govern how I am as a dad and a husband. And so music just has that effect on me. And so it's just not music that I really um, want to work on. So that's just kind of like what you need to define for you. Um, As far as budget goes, I really try like my hardest to work. But at the same time, it's like, listen, this is what I'm willing to do. And... If the client's not able to make this work, then that's totally fine. We're just at different points. Unless it's just something that is just mind-blowing, in which case I might make a concession. But if, I don't know. Have you ever noticed like when you really make like big concessions for like a client, it like never like it always just like comes back. Like if you're like, hey, this is my budget. And I'm not talking like I'm talking like a one-time kind of a thing. And it's like, if it's pretty good, but then like, and you work on it and you take a discount, but then it comes back and you got like eight or nine revisions. turns out they weren't happy with the mix and right. they weren't happy with like the production. And now it's your problem. Right. And so it's like always like, I don't know. It's like, I don't, and I don't mind at all discounting for like a studio because you know, you're going to like, like if it's just something where the clientele doesn't know, can't afford it or just that market's not there, I get it. 
because you're going to have X number amount of tunes from that studio you can count on a month. And so mentally, it's like, okay, fine. I don't mind making that type of concession, but like a one-time kind of a thing, even if it's great, it's like I find more times than not I get into a little bit of like a, like I'm chasing my tail a little bit of like, well, why the heck did we do this? Because there's so much more baggage attached to this. So I don't know if you ever get into that. I just talked for like a shit ton of time. I think like seven minutes. It's fine. <laughs> so Nice dialogue. I know. And I don't really know how to pass it off to you now because I've just kind of like worked myself into this corner. It's okay. So, I'll pull so you out I, of the I corner. don't know. It's like, I'm just kind of like recovering your whole areas. And so genre, and then you had like no budget. Right. And I don't know. They're like, they're both just kind of like interesting interesting worlds that you right. can kind of decide whether or not to play in. So what about like, is there also like a no-go area for you? Um, I mean, sometimes there's a no-go area. Like an automatic no. Yeah. If if the song sonically sounds too far off, I won't master it. Like mm-hmm. if it sounds so amateur, I don't even like the word amateur, inexperienced, Um you know, and it just is something that I know doesn't even, it won't even benefit mastering, you know, like yeah, there's... Yeah, that's like literally what I was writing down. Yeah, there are songs every once in a while that I get where I just tell the person, hey, this is not in a place to really even be mastered because there's so many um, issues in theory. At that stage, I'll usually ask them like, hey, this feels like pretty far off from something that will translate well you know, and there's only so much I can do in theory. So can you help me like understand the context of where the song's coming from? You sure. know, and usually a lot of times people say, well, this is actually the first song I've ever made or like I recorded it and produced it and mixed it myself, you know, or they don't even know what mastering is at that stage. I don't really want to take their money and I don't feel like my product really is for them, but I spend time educating them on, you know, some resources or, you know, asking them what they think about the song and spend some time helping them figure out um, how to probably make the mix better or the production or all together. And then I tell them, like, come back to me, like, after a year or when, like, it sounds essentially, like, better to where, like, mastering will actually be beneficial to you. Because I can't really call a record done, in my opinion, if there's, like, some alarming things. Because I know it's not done. I know, like, if it comes out, the vocal won't be tangible or, like, the low end won't translate anywhere because it's so boomy or there's nothing there. So I don't want to set people up for disappointment because sometimes people come to me listening to the records I've done and there's a disconnect unfortunately where they think well he must have taken you know a a subpar sounding record and made it sound great you know a lot of my great sounding records is because there was a great team from start to finish on it and so that's there's a bit of disconnect with that um so that's stuff I'll turn down you know immediately I pretty much turn down super low budget stuff immediately. I'll always ask if there's room for to come up and you know, most people can be flexible, but there's sometimes people that say I just can't, you know, I can't do more than 25 a song or something. Mm-hmm. And at that stage I I just can't take it on. Like the time and money doesn't work for what I need to make to cover my business expenses and my time and what I offer. So 
that sort of stuff doesn't work for me anymore. Um, you know, really at the beginning, it doesn't even work either if you're trying to build a company, but, you know, we all start somewhere and you kind of, I think when you start too, you don't even understand money and business. At least I didn't when you're in the audio world. So you're thinking like, oh, 25 bucks is kind of a lot if it takes me an hour making 25 bucks an hour, but long term with taxes and gear and plugins or whatever, it's, it usually won't be a sustainable thing that you can make work. Um, but there's probably people out there that do. Um, so yeah, stuff like that. I just, at this stage, I don't want to sound cocky, but I'm kind of in demand <laughs> on some level. So there's, well, I mean, if you, you even know, like do the math too, yeah. it's like, let's just say you wanted to make $10,000. You charge $25 a song. That's 400 songs. Yeah. And it's like, how the heck are you ever going to make that work? I don't know. And probably at what I found at those lower rates, it's hard to find that many decent clients at that rate. That's what I feel like if I look back on my quote-unquote career, when I was working with lower budget clients, they almost always took more time because usually the mixes weren't great. Um, yeah, there's an education. Or the songs weren't great. Yeah, so there's an education process. There's lots more revisions. There's helping them understand the limitations. And at that stage, you're both just kind of like frustrated with each other on some level probably. And then sure. they go to the next person with the same budget and then go, well, the last guy was frustrating and blah, blah, blah. Which and they're not a return client. No, yeah. like And also clients that are above that client as far as like what that other client is willing to pay for what you're actually probably worth right is not willing to work with you because they don't want a $25 product exactly yeah see our rate episodes on that and other yeah. money episodes but that's something I'll turn down just cuz i once again it's not a good fit and it it doesn't it won't serve my business well it won't allow me to keep offering the type of product to other people if i start taking that low of a rate um, it's just not sustainable for me. So that's something I'll turn down. Um, those are kind of really, I think, it. Like, I don't ever want to take somebody's money who I feel like I can't benefit or I can't actually do my job. Um, that's a big thing. I'll quickly be like, I just, I don't want your money and my mastering won't benefit you. And then mm. super low budget stuff is usually not a great fit. So those are really kind of the two things, you know, that will make me immediately be like, I just have to pass on this. So it's nothing personal, of course. It just doesn't fit into my business. Um, this is like kind of like off topic a little bit, but <laughs> I feel like that's one of the reasons why I like taking somebody. Well, not I, I said all that wrong. <laughs> This is one of the reasons why I invoice on the back end as opposed to the uh, the front end. And while it would make booking easier, it's like once I have the money, like I'm like Schmeagel and I don't want to give it away. It's like my precious. And it's just like but like on the on like like while I haven't been paid and I only want to get paid once the client is like over the moon happy with the master. And then it's like, okay, I have earned that payment. And for some reason, it's just how my mind works. And I, I, I for some reason, I, I would not want to give that money back if like 
I got it, and then the mix is kind of crap, and then I'd try to make it work, and then I'd feel bad that I'm trying to make it work because I already got the money, and I feel like I'd already go so far as opposed to, like, I don't have the money. I have a like a like kind of like a not so good mix and I don't feel bad turning it down because there's no there hasn't been any exchange it's just like a few minutes of my time being like this is not a good fit for me and so that could be a whole episode of when to take payment cuz that's like literally 500 responses on every facebook post on every mastering page of like do you yeah. invoice before or after <laughs> And then, like, do you do a contract with your clients? Like, I don't do a contract. This is like a, this isn't even like a whole day affair normally. <laughs> so it's going to take longer for them to return the contract than it's going to be for me to finish the master. So, yeah. Anyway, I cut you off again. Oh, it's quite all right. <laughs> quite all right. Okay. Okay. So I'm trying to read my chicken scratch here. Um, <laughs> This kind of gets a little into the semantics a little bit. So we've identified like what we would do or what would justify something um, kind of worthy of like not taking a project on. Actually, let's define one more thing. Yes. Because um, I think this is pretty, this is dicey. This one's a dicey one. Um, <laughs> when is the client a bad fit? Uh, I mean, I've had a few clients that I've basically fired and that's because they don't respect my boundaries or policies. So now what's that look like? So that'll look like, um, if I've educated them on things before and they're still getting upset or over the top on certain stuff, such as like metadata or streaming levels, Basically, if they keep asking me to do things that I've already told them that's not how I work, mm -hmm. then I just tell them, once again, this isn't a good fit. Um, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's been maybe two or three times where they've just been straight up uh, offensive or rude, I'll say. Um, and that's an instant. We're not working together uh, anymore. So there's been a, just a few of those where someone's gotten so upset about the way the song sounds that they've lost all control. <laughs> so it's only happened a few times. It's very rare. Mm. Um, there's a couple projects that I've gotten that I felt like were either, um, I mean, not to be political, but like either racially insensitive or sexist to the level where I just felt like this isn't something I want to be a part of. Sure. So there's some things like that that I've, you know, turned down, but it's got to be pretty aggressive. It's got to be pretty <laughs> offensive to me because I I try not to get involved in that mm -hmm. on too much level. I, you know, but if something is kind of glaringly like, yeah, this is, I'm pretty sure 99% of people are going to find this to be inappropriate or not inappropriate, but like I feel weird with it and I'm pretty open to stuff. And if I start feeling yeah. weird about it, then I don't feel good about it. And I'll just, I'll just tell them like, it's not, it's not the type of projects I want to work on, you know? And that's kind of that. None of those projects where the few people with like that have ever, they've always just been like, that's fine. <laughs> you know, there's never been pushback or questioning. Um, 
So certain stuff like that where it just feels like morally or ethically, I'm like, gosh, I just I just can't get onto that. I can't. I don't want my name on that. Um, yeah. And that's kind of it. Like, I, I mean, it kind of summarized like mean people. <laughs> you know, if someone's not respecting what you're saying or someone, you know, I might say like, hey, I, you know, I stop working at 5 p.m. and studios close, close Saturday, Sunday, and they keep demanding like rush jobs or like they send a insane amount of like Google voice texts or things being like, I need you to look at this now. I need it like over, like an overcross of boundaries. And I tell them, you know, politely, I'll see that on Monday, you know, but they keep texting or something that those are clients. I just, after I, I will usually wrap that project with them and then tell them, you know, moving forward, I'm not going to be your master engineer. And that's it. Like, <laughs> you know, those people usually don't even respond to that email. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, it's kind of personal, but not really. Like for me, it doesn't, at this stage, those sorts of interactions, I feel fine with having because I feel like I've done a lot of work personally over the years to establish my boundaries and know what I need to have in place in order to be a happy whole human and to offer a great product to people as well. So it's not like too intense for me anymore, but initially firing someone or telling them basically that they're mean <laughs> is kind of a scary thing. Because you can go down the path of like, oh, well, who else do they know? And maybe they'll tell somebody else or will this ruin my career? But on some level, you know, you got to have boundaries in place, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Um, to respect yourself and and the brand you're trying to create. So that's that. That's I feel uh, like yeah. I feel like as far as that um as far as that notion goes, like I remember when I was like in high school or college or something like that, I came up with this like whole like notion on like the purpose of dating <laughs> and at some point you kind of realize like that you're at, at least you, normally you'll reach a point to where you're like dating to eventually end up in a relationship that is like long term and like towards like marriage companionship type yeah. thing and that's like like kind of like okay what's the end goal of it and then if you kind of reverse engineer like from that point back to then where you are you're kind of like well wait this whole like this whole exercise exists essentially for me to figure out who I don't want to be with. <laughs> and it's like, okay. And like, at first it might be like pretty like surface level. And it's like, I like, this isn't like, like, like the appearance. It's like of what you like find, like kind of like attractive and like a person like physically, it's like, okay, well, this is what I like. And then this is what I don't like. And then generally when you cross off the, like what you don't like, then you kind of get into like, like a little bit more of like, like okay, yeah, it is what's on the inside that counts. But it's like, you know, for a lot of people, the outside matters too first. But then when you find out to what you're attracted to, then you kind of go down the inside thing. And it's like, oh yeah, you have like a lot of the same like personal values as me, and this is like the type of people you hang out with, and this is like, like the kind of like like I don't know, kind of like culture that you're like involved in. And it's like you like hanging out with like 
kind of the same people I like hanging around with. We like doing the same things. And it's like, oh, yeah, your friends are my friends. And then you get into, like, <laughs> more of things and, like, morally things, moral things. And, um, yeah, and then it just... And I think eventually, too, it's like as you get older and older, you kind of just get to a point to where it's like, I don't know, I'm not going to... Like, some stuff doesn't matter as much as it used to. Mm-hmm. Like, when you were a kid, I'm like, oh, I couldn't do this. Like, I remember when I was in high school, like, one of my best friends, who I know for a fact doesn't listen to this podcast, he, like, it was, like, the end of the world because his girlfriend wanted to get a belly button ring. <laughs> and I was just like, dude, this is, like, totally small potatoes. Just let it go. But he couldn't let it go. Um, but it's just, like, just silly shit and so it's kind of like with clients too and it's like you know in the beginning you're really finding out a lot about who you don't want to work with and that's fine and uh you kind of go through the whole like client rigmarole of um like what classifies this client as a bad fit or a good fit and uh and yeah so moving forward um, and I think this is my last point, unless you have anything else. Uh, so how? Yeah, go ahead. Here, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say I don't. I don't know if I exactly have any more points, but I'll let you go first. <laughs> so, my last thing that I kind of want to dialogue on. Yes. Is so you've decided that the client or the project or the money or. Just something just isn't there. Something about this just isn't going to make the relationship here work. How do you turn down that work? And how do you turn down that client? Um, politely. <laughs> Nicely. I mean, usually just through... Generally, the other way doesn't go well right. for anyone. It's usually just an email, a quick email saying like, I mean, you can you can do a number of things. You can say, hey, I don't have the capacity to take this on right now. That's an easy doubt <laughs> if you don't want to get into it. You can say, hey, this isn't a good fit for X, Y, and Z if you want to clarify what you do and what you don't do. Because sometimes, sometimes if there's a project that's not a good fit for me, but the person seems nice, they may know someone else who is a good sure. fit for me. So I've had that where like, oh, this person seems nice, just totally not the type of music I work on. So I explain, hey, this isn't really what I do. You know, this is really what I focus on. And then, you know, two, three weeks later, they go, hey, so-and-so referred me to you. And I'm like, oh, that's that person. So, you know, of course, always, I always try to never, ever burn a bridge or, you know, make it feel personal. So just a simple email you know, either saying like, I don't have the capacity to take it on, which is sometimes true too. I don't have time to make it work. Um, but usually I'll just try and tell them like, it's not a good fit for me based on these types of songs. And, and that's kind of it. So pretty straightforward, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've always found the whole, I mean, I think the whole saying like, may the bridges I burn light the way. I think that's a really <laughs> funny thing to say, but at least in at least in the south it's kind of like i don't want to call it like a good old boy system but it's definitely like it's a pretty small community and you really don't want to burn a bridge and right. it's kind of like a cardinal rule about really being careful to not burn a bridge don't go out of your way just because like like 
some stuff's just going to catch on fire. You right. know, just some people are toxic and some stuff is not going to end well. And I mean, there's also a saying of like, if things didn't like, if things didn't end poorly, sometimes they'd never end. So it's like, I understand that too. Um, but yeah, I definitely try to go from the approach of like letting someone down easy. And I try to really exhaust like, like by the end of the time, like when I need to pass on a project, um, if it's a mix issue or a client issue, typically you'll know. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not for me necessarily being rude, but it's more... Um, we I've tried to exhaust my options of like making this mix work. And I'll be like... I, I won't be like, hey, take this back for a mix revision. Um, but it's like we'll have talked about it, whether it's like like hopping on the phone real quick, which I have no problem doing. Um, or, um, I don't know. Or it's like, if you're like back and forth, like too many times as far as revisions <laughs> go. And then they're like, well, which version do you like? And they throw that back to you. And you're just like, well, V1. Cause right. that that's yours. And my joke It's like, which version do you like? I like V1. Cause it's the first one I sent to you. Right. And I thought it was perfect then before we started changing it all right. these times. Right. And so, um, yeah, and so like if it gets to that point, you you also have to realize like, hey man, at some point like we need to kind of decide this and we need to like call a session done because like like and I'm of the uh, opinion that you know all art really deserves to see the world and all art does need to get out there and I have no problem with that, but at the same time it's like I got a schedule I'm adhering to as well and in my schedule, I didn't plan for eight rounds of revisions. I don't know the last time I had that, but um, we'll go through like two or three. Like, I don't know. Not often. It's actually pretty rare when I get revisions. Not like boasting. It just right. I just normally don't see them. Um, I, I'm sure you're the same way. I am. Um, but it's like, if like, we're just going around and around and around, and it's like, okay, we gotta, we gotta call a spade a spade we got like like at like at some point it's like we we're going to hit like a like a point of no return and there's like there's like no nobody's really gaining anything from this relationship and so and also if you're going through that many levels of revisions then it's probably not the master either so it's also about like kind of realizing that hey maybe I wasn't set up for success from the beginning of this right so yeah so sometimes you just have to be like hey man I just don't think this is a good fit and it's nothing I don't want to say it's nothing personal, it's just business, but it is kind of personal <laughs> at that point. So I don't know. So I would say that's how I turn down work and I try to make it work as much as I can. But if just like stuff's not connecting or jiving or just if like the mix just isn't there and just being like, I don't think that like, I, I honestly just don't think that mastering, that this is in a place where mastering would be a benefit. Yeah to this mix and just trying to let them down as easily as possible. Um, and as Sam said, it's like, I don't know, it's like everyone's got that whole like six degrees of separation. So or what was it called initially? Like six degrees to Kevin Bacon or uh -huh. something like that. Uh -huh. And so it's like everybody knows everybody through like a mirage of people. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't like to poke the bear too much. So anywho... I know we're kind of like wrapping a bit early, but I think that's about all I got.
Excellent. Do you have anything else on your notes? No, I got through them. Speedy. Speedy episode. Mm -hmm. Great. Season five, episode 10. Boom. In the bag. Deep in the bag. Ladies, gentlemen, pets. Biggie there. He's downstairs sleeping. (laughs) Probably hears you barking. He's going to like run upstairs. Sir, does he have another dog in there? He does come (laughs) up and paw on my studio door sometimes. Mm. He's like, come on. There you go. All right. For those of you who have stuck around this long, I guess it's not that long, it's like 42 (laughs) minutes. For those of you who stuck around this long, you're probably hearing a sweet beat Cune up in the background from beesbeats.com. That is made by the one and only Sam Moses. Thank you very much. We appreciate it for all so our welcome. podcast beats. He has not made an intro and outro the same <laughs> going on five years. That's amazing. Uh, let's see what else. Is, if you need a mastery engineer, Sam and I would love to help you out. Uh, Sam can be found at Moses Mastering. I can be found at For the Record Mastering. It is really weird to advertise your mastering service after an episode like this, but we're going to do it anyway because it's our podcast. Take a screenshot of what you are seeing right now and post it to Instagram or Facebook. We would greatly appreciate that. Um, If you wouldn't mind giving us uh, thumbs up, likes, stars, anywhere you are listening to this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. Sam. Matt. Do you have any more for the anything else for do, the people? Do, 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 do. No, just thank you so much for listening. Yes, That's thank it. you very much. <laughs> cool. Well, morning, afternoon, even, whatever y'all are having, have a darn good one. Cue up that sweet beat. Cueing. <laughs> See y'all later.